it's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Here are your hosts, Brent Hollerud and Andrew Smith. And welcome to another edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. With me is our Director of Marketing and Communications Extraordinaire, Brent Hollerud, as we take a look inside the Indy Fuel as the calendar turns to 2019. It's been a really good end of 2018 and start of the new year for the Fuel as they've had 10 of 13 games at home, this Friday night being number 10, and the Fuel have held serve on their home ice, winning six of the previous nine games at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum with, as we mentioned, game 10 of that home stretch coming up Friday night against the Fort Wayne Comets. It's going to lead to a long stretch of games on the road coming up, but the Fuel playing some really good hockey right at the right time when you want to be making a move to put yourself in position in the second half of the season. The Fuel right now tied for a playoff spot in the very, very tight Central Division race. And then you've got a ton of four-point games coming up as after Tuesday night's victory over Kansas City, Friday night begins a stretch of 15 consecutive games in the division for the Fuel. And 30 of the final 37 games of the season will be played against division foes. And uh, Brent, uh, this team is playing some great hockey right now and getting contributions from up and down the lineup. And we can talk about some specific players. But when this team was put together, one thing Coach Bernie John wanted to stress was scoring depth, getting production from all three of your lines. And then a young defensive core that's really rounding into shape right now. And you can see those guys getting better by leaps and bounds. And it's all adding up to a hockey team that's playing very, very well really at the right time of the year when you want to start getting hot. And you talk about depth, and I think depth can pay off in a number of different ways. I think early in the season you saw when you have so much scoring depth in the lineup, you had those games where you're putting up six or seven goals in one game. Now you're seeing with the Fuel in probably one of their busiest stretch stretches of the season as far as just volume of games being played. Um, last weekend they just wrapped up a stretch of uh, seven games in ten days, and now with another four games this week, I think it ends up being a total of 11 games over a course of 18 days. That's just that's a lot of hockey in, in one uh, in a short period of time, and you're seeing kind of those injuries start to pile up, and you're seeing guys get called up, and it's really testing. Um, and that's where the depth comes into the lineup, where you have all these guys that can participate or that can contribute from, from the first line to your bona fide or your proverbial third or fourth line, those kind of players who were kind of on the bubble at the beginning of the season are now being relied on to chip in some huge contributions. And you look like a guy, look at a guy like Radovan Bonder right now. At the beginning of the season, he I think he was a healthy scratch one of the first games of the season. He's now, I think he's got assists in four of his last five, um, put up three assists in uh, Tuesday's win over Kansas City. Um, I think you mentioned it. It's kind of shades of Robin Press from last season where like every time he's on the ice, he's finding people in, in great scoring opportunities and um, chipping in a few goals himself. It's just it's been fun to watch. And then you got guys like Brett Wilecha who's got goals in three straight. And then you, you look at, um, in the absence of Olivier LaBelle, you have the Ruperts are still doing their thing. 
Um, Josh Shallow has been picking up a few multi-point games. Uh, Quentin Shore, since he's returned from injury, has been has continued his basic basically a point a game pace. Um, and that's just up front. Look on the back end. You got Alex Brooks putting in a few points. Um, pretty much throughout the lineup, you're getting these um, offensive and defensive contributions. You're seeing um, the defense tighten up considerably. And um, I know Coach Bernie John built his team to be able to compete in those track meet style games, but you definitely don't want every game to be a, a 6 5, 7 5 game. Um, you're starting to see this team compete and win those. That that game against Kansas City was essentially a four nothing game. Um, Matt Tompkins was a minute and a half, two minutes away from getting a shutout, and then kind of uh, Kansas City snuck in a few late there. But you're seeing the fuel start to play a lot more stingy in the defensive end as well. Yeah, and we can uh, look at that defensive core, and it's a core that's been hit a little bit by call-ups and as we'd mentioned injuries Josh McArdle got called up last weekend and is playing in the American Hockey League Neil Manning got called up came back for Tuesday night's game and then is headed back to Rockford Miles Liberati has been uh, on and off of the injured list right now Uh, he's on injured reserve so he'll be out for a couple of weeks Zach Miskovic missed a couple of games but even with that Guys are stepping up, and Alex Brooks, you mentioned, not only as he does he have seven points in his last ten games, the other thing about Alex Brooks, he's plus 13, and uh, leading all fuel players, Neil Manning's plus 11 right now, and again, playing some really good hockey on the back end. And then you look at a guy like Dmitry Osipov, nine assists, he's the stay-at-home defenseman you need, and was talking to Bernie John before a game a couple of weeks ago. Osipov is 21 years old, and he's not far from his 21st birthday either. He's a young, uh, or he's 22 years old, I should say, but he's fairly young, just a couple of years out of the Western Hockey League, and he's playing like somebody who's much older than a 21, 22-year-old. He's very steady on the back end, and throws his weight around, doesn't take a lot of penalties, but he plays very physical. The puck always seems to go where it needs to be when he's got it on his stick, and he does a good job of thwarting opponent's scoring chances, just being in the right place at the right time. And you look at this defensive group, the only guy who was in a fuel uniform last year was Zach Miskovic, and everybody else at the blue line is new. And Manning came over from Europe, McArdle, uh, was at uh, Brown University last season. And uh, Liberati started the season in Allen and uh, came here. Brooks in a trade. Powers was playing uh, college hockey last year. And Osipov was in Quad City. So all of these guys in different places last season, we didn't know how that defensive group would come together. And my goodness, it's come together really well. And as a result, we're not seeing those track meet style games, which also is typical of the season as teams get to know each other a little bit better and round into form. The games get a little bit more controlled and uh, the defense gets a little bit better. But a guy that I've been really impressed with, I liked him in training camp, was Guillaume Note, a stay-at-home defenseman. And uh, somebody was called up from the Southern Professional Hockey League a couple weeks ago. He's a coach's kid. And as we'd mentioned, he was in training camp here in Indy, went down to Peoria in the Southern Professional League, but he just, again, always seems to be in the right place at the right time in the defensive zone, 
and you can't put a value on that because in being able to break up plays, clear the slot, and again, always be in the right position, that obviously thwarts opposing scoring chances and lets you get the puck, and then, as Coach Bernie John says, lets you get the puck north to the forwards where they can do their thing in the offensive zone, and it's adding up right now to a winning formula. Yeah, I mean, that you said the, the, the catchphrase that seems, I'm surprised we're not seeing players wearing T-shirts with it in the locker room <laughs> after every year. After every game, if it's a win, it's we get we got pucks north. We're playing our north hockey. If if the team loses, it's we got to do a better job getting pucks north. Um, it's it's kind of funny to think about it, but that's basically what you're expecting from your back end. You just want to be able to make maybe the D to D pass and then the quick quick outlet pass to your forwards. And we um, if you'll have the wheels that can just um, take the puck right up from there and. You're seeing with how many goals are being scored in transition and on three on two rushes and on opportunities that come about because the defensemen are able to make that quick pass out of the zone and get get the play moving forward and out of the defensive zone and into uh, um, as they hit the neutral zone with a lot of speed. And this team right now has seven forwards playing at at or just below a point a game pace, which is really impressive. But a couple of guys that have really come on late, Kevin Dufour, only one point in the last seven games entering the Friday night game against Fort Wayne, but even when he's not scoring, he has been generating incredible scoring chances. And as we mentioned earlier, Radovan Bondra, one of the fun things about being in the ECHL, this is a developmental league. It is giving players opportunities to play hockey, develop a lot of young guys that are looking to get to the next level, and many of them do. And Radovan was a fifth-round pick of the Blackhawks back in 2015, has been working his way through the system, unfortunately had some injury troubles last season, but 11 assists in his last 10 games, and his vision, when he crosses the blue line, he's putting the puck right on somebody's stick, right in a scoring area. It's almost National Hockey League-level passing that we're seeing, and it's not just that little five- or six-foot shovel pass, which he had on Tuesday night to spring Brett Walichka for a breakaway, shorthanded, but also zipping a pass across the seam, which he's done two or three times, going from circle to circle to set somebody up on the weak side, and it's right on the tape, perfect speed, perfect spot, and you know that's the type of passing, that's the type of speed, and the type of crispness you usually see at the National Hockey League, and to see somebody like Radovan doing that you think that uh, his opportunities are going to be there in front of him to play and perform in the American Hockey League and maybe even at the next level. We've seen that already with Justin Hall, who's had an opportunity at the NHL, and we saw that kind of starting to come together in his first year here with the Fuel. And, of course, Colin Delia had a chance to watch him play goal last night against the Blackhawks a year and a half ago. He's here in the uh, Coliseum, and... Last night, he's facing Philip Forsberg and uh, in the National Hockey League in front of 20,000 people. And so watching these guys develop is fun. But Radovan's been somebody that we have seen his game just improve by leaps and bounds in the three months of this season. And it's been really fun to see, just like Robin Press last year, who had a great year and really got hot about this time of year and had a long scoring streak that ended up uh, really 
propelling the fuel on that winning streak that got them into playoff contention, and obviously they were eventually successful. So, And one thing that we haven't talked about yet, Matt Tompkins is playing as well as we've seen him play. Second time this season he's been named ECHL Goaltender of the Week. That came last week. Tompkins right now tied for first in the league with 15 wins, leads the league in minutes, third in the league in saves, and since December 4th he's 10-3 and and has allowed two goals in five of his last seven starts. As Brent mentioned earlier, probably could have and maybe should have had a shutout on Tuesday night against Kansas City. He played a fantastic game that night. And uh, really after the game had been decided in the final two and a half minutes, the Mavericks were able to make a couple of really nice plays and get a couple past him on passes right to the front of the net to the doorstep. But Matt Tompkins really seems like he's seeing the puck really well right now. And again, that plays in as well to the defense, allowing him to see the puck. But he's playing at a different level. And he's another guy. Bernie John said a couple of weeks ago, he's somebody that can excel at this level which he's showing, and Bernie feels like he can excel not just at the next level, but he said the next two levels because of the way he's playing and the skill that he has. I mean, you're talking about with Bondra just kind of the the development from last year to this year. I mean, just looking at what Matt Tompkins has done, um, not that he was he was playing poorly last year. He was um, he definitely had his his moments of dominance last season as well when he was. Uh, um, part of that that really strong tandem and net with ATN Marcou, um, but I mean we're we're seeing this guy basically develop and do. Um, I mean he leads the ECHL with 14 wins or 15 wins, pardon, um, heading into Friday's game, um, and he's just making it look easy. You're not seeing this guy um, sprawling for dramatic um, desperation saves. Everything is right in his glove, right in his chest. Um, he's always in the right position, and you're seeing. Him be able to kind of work through the, I mean, he's definitely dealing with the heavy workload right now. Starting, I think, twelve of Indy's last thirteen games going into this weekend. So that that's a challenge in itself. But I mean, he's just been steady back there. Um, and I know it's he's been working hard with. You're seeing Peter Obrey, um, the Blackhawks goal, goaltending development coach. He's made already uh, a handful of trips down to Indy. He's our Matt and Peter are working together at practice. There, um, he's really just been. Um, you're seeing all the work that's gone into it over the last year, and you're starting to see it pay off. And um, it's just been fun to watch him just kind of command the net whenever he's in there. And it's truly as as much as the cliche goes that the team has a chance to win every night he's in there, um, and. It's nice to see him get rewarded, not just with the wins, but also with the uh, the league honors, with the two uh, um, goaltender of the week nods, and um, and there's really no signs of slowing down as as far as uh, how he's looking back there. Yeah, it's his net, and he has really dominated that net so far. And a big reason for his success and the team's success is they're playing well in familiar environs. The fuel fourteen and six at home. Just one game behind Jacksonville for the best home record in the league. Jacksonville's 15 and 5 coming into the weekend. And the fuel, as we mentioned, 14 and 6. We mentioned earlier, there's a stretch of 10 out of 13 at home. Indy won 6 of the first 9 with the 10th game coming Friday night against Fort Wayne. And now they'll head to the road for a long stretch, 12 of the next 16 after Friday night's game 
will be away from home, but you can tell this team feeds off of the energy from the crowd, and the crowds have been really good here the last couple of weeks, and they really feel comfortable playing on home ice. And now the challenge um, is there with um, after getting out to a, a slow start on the road, um, you're definitely seeing uh, before the, the holiday break, um, if you were able to pick up a couple big wins in Kalamazoo and um, a, a big win in Fort Wayne to start the month. Um, so, And now here's your opportunity. You have all these road games coming up. You're still in an absolute... Um, battle in the central division standings that's not going to change at all um this is kind of where i mean you really don't want to say like a a make or break section of the season because with so many divisional games throughout i you mentioned uh, i think there's only seven games in the remainder of the season that are being played outside the central division for indy but um this is really a chance where if you can find a way to go 500 in this stretch of um in the next three or four weeks with the heavy road schedule if you if you can find a way to go win half of those or even 60 uh, percent of those you're going to put yourself in a really good position in the standings when you come back and i know um there's a they spend the majority of the month of march at on home ice and that's where um we as we saw last year um the field kind of caught fire there in late february and early march and that's where they were able to kind of really make their case to to push into that playoff spot and as of right now they don't the goal is to not need that huge huge push at the end to push them over the edge you they, i know uh in talking to coach john the goal is to keep climbing and keep uh chipping away at that gap between them um kind of that that grouping of teams in the middle and toledo and cincinnati at the top of the division um, they want to just keep chipping away at them, and they have the opportunity playing Cincinnati, I think, seven or eight more times. you got a, a handful more with Toledo, and then start just looking at as soon as this Friday with Fort Wayne. They're, um, it's the third of five meetings against the Comets in the month of January. Fort Wayne's been able to pick up the first two, but it, if you can come back and win a few of these um, starting Friday on home ice and then a couple in Fort Wayne, um It'll it'll go a long way in um, keeping this team where they want to be in the standings. Well, and we want to pass along congratulations to Neil Manning, Indy Fuel defenseman. He is classified as a rookie because although he's a third-year pro, he played his first two seasons in the Alps Hockey League in Italy, uh, playing last year in Cortina, has come back to North America where he played uh, his junior hockey, and as a result... He's uh, classified as a rookie by ECHL and American Hockey League standards, and he is not playing like one, though. He's playing like a, a grizzled veteran, and again, steady on the back end, always seems to have the puck in the right place, makes the first pass very well. He's third on the team in assists with a 15. He leads all fuel defensemen in scoring with 17 points, and he's been able to get a couple of call-ups to the American Hockey League as a result of that. And you can see that raw skill is there. And what a great honor for Neil Manning to represent the Fuel at the All-Star Game. Last year, it was Etienne Marcoux and Michael Neal. The year before, it was Alex Weidman. And so Neil Manning joins that group. And it's also an honor because in a lot of cases, the ECHL wants to highlight 
players it sees as prospects that have opportunities to really shine at the next level. And Neil is definitely one of those players. And and so he gets an opportunity now to perform on a national stage as the game on Monday, January 21st, 7 p.m. in Toledo will be televised by NHL Network. So you get a chance now to play in front of the entire hockey world. Yeah, and I mean, we saw firsthand last year with uh, the All-Star Weekend being right here in Indianapolis. It's it's definitely a, it's a fun event. It's it's a great atmosphere, and um, just seeing all the talent on the ice at one time, um, it'll definitely be um, intriguing to see how the, the new format plays out this year. Um, for those who are not familiar, it, it's remaining a three-on-three style um, tournament, but instead of having the four divisions of the ECHL um, represented, there will be two teams comprised of Toledo Walleye players playing against a Western Conference team of All-Stars and an Eastern Conference team. And it's actually, um, they, the way they're breaking it down is there's three three rounds essentially representing three periods. That first round is going to be six mini-games, each one an eight-minute running time game where you have all six of the team or all four of the teams playing each other in that round robin format, um, they will seed them from that point based on kind of their goal differential and rally scoring. Seed them one through four, and you have your one seed take on your four seed, and then your two versus three matchup in the second round slash second period, and then the two finalists will will meet again in a uh, a ten minute running time game to crown a champion. But um, I mean, it's always fun uh, to kind of see that, that different style of play. Um, it's definitely a high pace, like, fun environment. You're not going to see Neil Manning blocking any shots out there, and, and nor should you. Um, it is, I mean, with every team kind of being in the sprint they're in after the holiday break, uh, I know a lot of guys are, are happy to get some of the rest that the All-Star break provides, but this is really a fun opportunity for those, these guys to show what they're made of in front of that national audience and um, it definitely has a different kind of, uh, you know, that the Toledo players are going to be, it's going to be a huge crowd there. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. And uh, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when the game was in Adirondack, um, the Thunder almost, uh, I think they, they were within a couple goals late in that game. And that was more of a conventional three period contest versus the, the three on three style tournament. But you definitely have a, a unique um, dynamic with the home team facing the rest of the league. So, um, you know, Toledo is going to come there hungry and ready to prove a statement. So we'll see uh, see what happens there. It'll be a lot of fun, the ECHL All-Star Game, Monday, January 21st in Toledo. And as you mentioned, we had the opportunity to experience that last year. It was more the NHL-style format where you had each division playing a mini game that was essentially a tournament that represented each of the three periods but the uh, a little bit more of a round robin rally scoring format in Toledo this time and it'll be neat for Neil and for this uh, uh, the all-stars from around the league we saw smiles all over the place guys really enjoyed each other and they really enjoyed getting to know each other and play alongside players that they're usually trying to uh, put through the boards on a uh, regular basis. And so the hockey world's very small, and it's uh, it's a really a fun atmosphere. And so congratulations to Neil Manning. We had a chance to talk to Neil a couple of nights ago after he was named 
to the All-Star team. Here is our chat with Indy Fuel defenseman Neil Manning. Neil, first of all, uh, congratulations on making the All-Star team. What does it mean to you to uh, be chosen to uh, represent Indy in the All-Star game here in a couple weeks? Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, it's nice to get uh, get recognized, I guess. So. Um, should be a should be a fun event, but uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of a cool recognition. So the opportunity, kind of playing a wide open three on three game, uh, that a little bit different, but uh, just a fun opportunity to play with some of the other guys. Like, yeah, I think it'll just be kind of cool to meet some of the uh, some of the other guys. I don't know uh, a ton of those ton of those people on, on on the roster, so it'll be cool to spend some time with uh, some of those players, and I'm sure the game will be a lot of fun. Yeah, you were in Rockford last week, and. Uh, Describe what it meant to you to number one get the call up again to the American Hockey League and how things went during uh, during your weekend in, in the AHL. Uh, it's always nice to, to get called up. That's kind of your your goal. So play real well here for the fuel and then try and uh, jump to the that next step. So it was a uh, it was it was fun. Uh, I got in one game and then I, I watched one game and it was uh, it was a good experience. I got some good feedback from the coaches there. So. Uh, Hopefully I can you know, keep on playing well here to help us uh, win here in Indy. So you and Josh were D partners there. You've played uh, together a lot here. At, so is it a little bit different playing as a unit in the AHL, or is it really a case where the fact that you know each other pretty well already having played together here, it, it was comfortable playing with somebody you knew? Yeah, it was pretty comfortable. Um, we played together, obviously, mm-hmm. here in Indy, and... Uh, you know we're we're pretty close friends, so even on the bench, we're it's a, he's an easy guy to talk to about uh, what we might have seen out on the ice, and then we go out uh, for the next shift and hope to kind of uh, do well, I guess, and keep the puck out of our net. <laughs> your uh, kind of your path here, you played in the Alps Hockey League here the last couple of years. Describe uh, what that was like playing over in Europe, and then how did that lead to the opportunity to sign with Rockford and uh, come back here to North America? Uh, Italy was quite different, like just mm-hmm. a real different lifestyle, less games. Um, you know, we would never, never stay in hotels or travel wasn't wasn't that uh, intense. So it was a, it was a different lifestyle, but I was able to do all right there to kind of keep my chances in North America mm-hmm. available. And um, uh, the opportunity came to sign that that two way deal, and so I uh, I jumped on it just because I thought it was a good chance to. Do well. My goal was when I was a kid, which was kind of playing the best possible league I can play in. So, and the um, in being in the American Hockey League and here in the ECHL, obviously being a defenseman, there's always a little bit of a learning curve every time you get to a new level. But how have you really settled in in your first half season here in North America? Um, Tried to settle in as best as I can. I mean, I played the majority of my career in North America, mm-hmm. so in the small ice sheet and such. But the coaches, the teammates here have been great to make everything kind of uh, seamless. I mean, all summer I do my summer skates on a North American mm-hmm. sheet as well with some players that are in, you know, these same these same leagues. So uh, it hasn't been. Uh, I guess the biggest transition's been more games. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, I think it's been going all right. I say you're kind of in a busy stretch here where you're playing a couple of four-game weeks in a row. Uh, does that really kind of stress the conditioning and just trying to pace yourself so that you can bring it every night? Yeah, I think you need to be smart 
um, especially for a D-man, you don't need to be jumping up every single time, so you got to kind of pick and choose your spots just so that you can be a real good player on the, the fourth game as well as the first game. But um, uh, I think our team's done a, a pretty decent job managing that so far, so hopefully we can do that. <coughs> Thanks a lot, Neil. Thanks so much. And that was Indy Fuel defenseman Neil Manning, ECHL All-Star. He'll be playing in the All-Star game on January 21st at Toledo. That'll be at 7 p.m. and will be broadcast on NHL Network. And congratulations to all of the All-Stars. One other congratulations to pass along. George Bullock, the Indy Fuels trainer, worked his 1500th professional game on Tuesday night against Kansas City. And for those of us that are around the dressing room, we know George, and uh, he's such a fun guy to be around and have around and I'm not sure a lot of the fans know everything he does but especially in this mid-season grind when you're playing four games a week and multiple weeks in a row he's the guy who's responsible for the training and keeping these players healthy and in tip-top shape and he just does a fantastic job doing that and the guys really seem to enjoy working with him and uh, he's such an asset to this team. I mean, you you can't really say enough about what um, George and um, his team of trainers back there can do for for your team. And if you're looking at the NHL level, they have a heart. Like it's hard enough keeping your NHL players um, at top shape when you're you're not playing any of the. You may, maybe rarely have a back to back scenario every couple of weeks where you're never going to see a team play seven games in ten days at the highest level, but. That's what the fuel have, and that's what a lot of the ECHL teams have to do. And um, you're seeing George and the entire crew back there. They are instrumental in, in keeping this team in, in shape. And you're seeing guys, uh, they're getting their treatment not only after games, but I know every Tuesday they have the clinic day where um, any kind of nagging injuries or anything that's been bugging the guys, they come in and get it all sorted out. And um, not just all the medical treatment and all all the the training aspect of his job aside he's just kind of that that constant presence in the locker room and he he's truly just part of the team and you mentioned just he's always always got a smile on his face he's always a fun guy to be around he's got stories for days this is his 22nd year in professional hockey um he's always got either a movie quote or or a funny story or, or something to to lighten up the room and um, I know um, for the guys, he's he's basically he, he's as much of part of the team as anyone else on, in that locker room. So it's awesome to see him get um, recognized for for such an incredible accomplishment, and it's it's been a pleasure being able to kind of work alongside him the last last few years here. And second, all of that is George is really a good guy to have as part of this team, and have really enjoyed working alongside uh, him with this. Indy Fuel squad, and so congratulations to George Bullock Jr. 1,500 career games, the trainer of the Indy Fuel. Another player who went into retirement as a member of the Indy Fuel was Dylan Clark a couple of years ago. He was a member of the Fuel squad in the 2015-16 season and became a fan favorite, was really a leader on that team, which was a team in transition. It was the second year of the franchise. A lot of players moving in and uh, in, and a lot of new players kind of gelling as 
the team was tr- still trying to build its core, and you need a veteran leader like a Dylan Clark to do so. Well, after he retired, he became a coach. He was coaching with the Evansville Thunderbolts in the Southern Professional Hockey League up until this year, and he came out of retirement a little bit to play a little bit with Evansville as well. But he's back in the ECHL now as an assistant coach with the Wheeling Nailers. The Nailers were into Indy a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, and now the few will have seven more road games in Wheeling coming up, including a couple this weekend, January 12th and 13th, as the few will travel to face the Nailers at West Banco Arena. And so with the fuel traveling to face the Nailers, we had a chance to chat with Dylan a couple of weeks ago when the Nailers were here in Indy. And here is our chat as we introduce you again to a fan favorite from the fuel, Dylan Clark. We're joined by Wheeling Nailers assistant coach and former Indy Fuel player Dylan Clark during tonight's game between the Fuel and the Nailers. And Dylan, just talk a little bit about how your season has gone as it looks like you've really caught fire here as a team lately. Yeah, we, we started off a little rocky, um, but uh, with with our development program and guys we've been sent down and that we've uh, been able to help uh, grow our game and we've gotten a lot better as, uh, as the season's gone on and I think we're really starting to hit our stride, uh, even though we uh, got a, lost a few guys tonight uh, for tonight's game because of call-ups. But that's kind of one of those bittersweet things about being involved at this level is that you're uh, you're going to see some changes occasionally, but you're also happy for guys to get opportunities at the next level. I mean, that's our main goal is to get guys called up. Um, we're a development league, and that's that's what it's been for many many years now. And uh, you know, it 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 kind of sucks that. You know, you lose one of your better players, but at the same time, you're glad to see him go, and you hope uh, you hope for them to do their best and play really well up there. Describe how the transition has gone from your playing career to uh, moving into the coaching ranks. Uh, it's been a little challenging at times. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more work than I expected. Um, you know, it, it uh, the first year out of hockey, I, I was uh, I was really missing it, and then uh, I got a junior job and. You know, I coached that for the year, and it, it was tough. But uh, now that I'm doing it full time, it, it's it's a lot of work, and uh, you know, I didn't really expect it to be this uh, this chaotic. But um, you know, it's enjoyable and it's fun. Well, you describe. You mentioned it's a little bit chaotic. What is the chaos like? Is it just a lot of breaking down film, dealing with player uh, acquisitions or personnel moves, and just simply uh, working with the guys? It, it's all that uh, and more. Um, trying to stay positive when you get a little down on uh, on the guys sometimes, but uh, no, it's 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 a lot of work, uh, paperwork, and you know transactions and and getting guys uh, to where they need to be and learn our systems. And you know, it, it's just a it's a ton of you know, fun things that you didn't really look at as a player, but you realize as a coach that uh, these guys are doing a lot of work, and it's it, it's it really pays off. So, who were some of the guys that helped influence you uh, as a when you were playing to kind of help you uh, now as a coach? Well, I I, I talked to Bernie here and there, um, ask him questions when mm-hmm. I can. Uh, I actually called George <laughs> Bullock here and there to see what he thinks about some mm-hmm. things. So, um, but all my former coaches that done this in this league uh they've they've been very helpful over the years or over this year sorry and uh you know i, I think i've talked to pretty much every single one of them since mm-hmm. since i've uh started working here so it's uh 
it's awesome to keep those connections and have those guys in your back pocket. Describe what it was like the year you played here in Indy. How much do you, did you enjoy playing out your final year in the ECHL? And um, just how much did you enjoy being here? And uh, what was it like being a part of that team? Oh, I miss playing here. That's one of the things that I keep telling guys. This is a great organization to be a part of. And, um, you know, I love